0: Welcome to Pet Chat on Two New Greg Richard here with you for a Wednesday afternoon, joined by Cheryl Short and David Tabbert. Nice to see you both once again. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Excellent. What have you
1: got? What do you got lined up for us today? it's <laughs> first.
2: Well, I'm going to be talking about dogs and sticks today.
1: Oh, oh. and when they shouldn't be coming together. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's They're... right up my alley as yep, well.
2: Absolutely. I knew you'd be on it, David.
1: When to chase, when not the chase. Yes. Yeah. And uh, no sticks. If we get time, I, I've got a topic. Um, we're seeing a few dogs come in who have chewed on puffer fish. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Yeah, there's a lot of not good fish for around. them. I know, exactly. Okay. Both uh, lake and sea. Righty, yeah. So, take care. We'll hopefully it's, we'll get to chat about that. Do they get? Do they puff up as well, or? Oh, um, maybe. Okay. We'll right. have to wait and we'll see. Have to find out. if...
0: <laughs> It's Pet Chat on 2NURFM. If you've got a question, you can give us a call, 49216216. And Cheryl, you mentioned about dogs and sticks before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've got to be careful with sticks. We think about our dogs playing outside and, and sticks seem innocent enough, but really they are so very dangerous. When... When we look at a stick, we go, okay, it can often be full of bacteria and a dog will chew on it. But when they chew on a stick, one of the things that can happen is that stick can splinter, it can lodge into the gums or it can get stuck across the palate, go down the throat. All of these things sort of are potential life-threatening things for a dog. And what we think is so innocent, that dog playing with a stick, often people will pick up a stick and throw it. Now, we've really got to get this message out, no sticks and dogs. One of the problems that often occurs is a dog may get a small laceration on its side or somewhere and owners go, oh, yes, it's a little bit of an injury, uh, superficial. But what's going on underneath that, you never know. So if you even suspect your dog has had a stick injury, you need to get off to the vet. One of my friends recently had been at a daycare centre and had had a small scrape on the skin and they thought nothing of it, sent me a photo and I said, off to the vet. Well, it was a really big laceration and and required a drain and lots of other things. Mm. So this is a problem that people don't recognise when their dogs are playing. Often if a dog's playing with another dog, they'll pick up a stick and they'll present it or show it to the other dog to try to initiate play and often when the dog um, does that it'll turn to get the other dog to run after it now what will sometimes happen is that stick will catch the other dog and it could take out an eye or it could lacerate it so you know please try to make sure dogs aren't playing with sticks now David this would be something you'd see a fair bit of injury from stick laceration
1: absolutely and um I've had one just recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, ended up doing surgery on a dog that, um, well, he had eaten some socks, but also he'd been eating sticks Mm. and stuck inside his bowel was a piece of stick with socks wrapped around it, as a matter of fact. So caused double trouble. Oh, wow. So that was a major abdominal surgery. The other one that you're just saying about playing with sticks, I've seen a lot of people, particularly at the beach, They'll pick up sticks and throw them, and what happens is the dog's chasing it, and then the stick hits the sand and digs in. And so the dog then runs onto the stick, and it can often go in their mouth and tear the roof of their mouth, and I've seen them penetrate up behind the skull Mm. and, and go up through the roof of the mouth, through the back, and hit the... The spine, the neck Yeah. Uh, bones so they there. get
2: impaled by the impact On the stick yes. Yeah. And mm. I've
1: seen one that actually where it went in the side As you said mm-hmm. And you think well there's a laceration But I've seen one which was like A six inch long stick That was stuck in and only the tip was showing Yes. And then we did a uh, CT Actually to be able to see it properly And it had gone in underneath the liver Went through the pancreas And the other end of the stick Was sitting up against the kidney Oh wow. So, so all co- those
2: vital organs there. Absolutely.
1: Mm. Mm. Um so you really have to be so careful. The safest thing is just don't throw sticks for your dogs, don't yeah. play with sticks. And the eye injuries, I often I haven't seen as many of them as I thought I would because I've seen dogs do exactly what you were saying where they, you know, twist around with the stick and of at dog parks and things like that. Mm. Dogs run up. And it's so easy for them to get stuck in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: the thing is, though, there's so many other products that you can use. You know, it can be a soft frisbee. It can be, you know, those rubber sticks that look like a stick, but they're actually made out of rubber. If the dog wants to hold something in its mouth, they're a great idea. Or you can do a DIY newspaper wrap, you know, and throw that for the dog. But just don't let them play with sticks. newspaper? What's that? Oh, yes, they're an old-fashioned <laughs> thing now, aren't they? But I think one of the things is just making sure that, you know, we're not encouraging them to play with sticks. Dogs Love to forage and find things. You know, they're so mm. proud when they get a mm. stick in their mouth, they're running around. But it can be dangerous for not only your own dog, but another dog as well. So, you know, sticks are best to be avoided.
0: Yeah. I don't think I'll ever throw a stick ever again after hearing those stories. Yeah. Nice. No. Sticks no, and no. stones. <laughs> <laughs> Should be throwing stones, don't be throwing stones with your dog for. <laughs>
1: oh
0: dear. And Simon from Curry, he's got a twelve-month-old cattle dog cross. It's got some stomach problems at the moment. G'day, uh, Simon.
3: Good morning, mate. How are you? Good. That's good. Yes, that, that is correct, mate. I have a, he's only a wee little dog, but he, he has tummy trouble all the time. Mate, I, I've had him at the vets, and they give him different doses of medicines and, and that sort of thing, but I've tried the different biscuits and, mm. and whatever, but he's always got tummy ache, if that's putting it politely
1: so you your dog is twelve month old. That's correct, yes uh, and what's his name? Uh, Teddy Teddy. And so is he desexed?
3: He's not no, okay. at the moment He's had this ailment mate, me from from birth basically, and i I'm reluctant to sort of um, have any operations done on him at the moment.
1: yeah. um so when you say stomach trouble, what's actually going on with him?
3: My dog the, when he when he goes to the toilet it, it, it is there is something wrong with it. It, it it's got a horrible smell it's like water basically um, and I know that he's not well you can see it in him
1: oh okay so mostly diarrhea is that right or is he vomiting as well
3: no only only diarrhea and yes. he has a good appetite he will eat I've tried all the expensive biscuits and so forth they seem to help in moderation yep but um, other than that, when goes out and the smell of his, when he goes to the toilet is terrible.
1: Yeah, it's probably, I mean, diet can sometimes be a factor with these, but that's rarely a cause. Um, so for a 12 month old dog with uh, watery diarrhea, and you said this has been going on for a long time, right? That's correct.
3: And yeah. I have had him at um, the vet on a couple of occasions and, I can't think of the name of the medicines, but they were a liquid form yep, um, of yep. pinky-coloured stuff that did seem to work for a little while. Yep. yep. Um, and, and then, no, nah, we're back to where we are.
1: Okay. And would you say that he's underweight? I I don't
3: think he's – you can't see the ribs and that, and that, but when you pick him up, you can certainly feel there's yeah, no yeah. sort of body fat yeah. on, on him. So, yeah. I, I, yes, I would say he's
1: underweight. Yeah, It'd be, be pretty hard for him to be putting on weight when he's getting that when you know when he's got that much diarrhea. So, look, first of all, um, let's make sure he's always got water available. Otherwise, he's going to dehydrate. Obviously, yep. um, there is a number of ways that I would kind of proceed with investigating. And as I mentioned at the start, I think whilst diet can sometimes be helpful, I think we've really got to get to uh, work out what's going on. Um, It sounds like your vet's probably done a couple of tests to start with, maybe um, a fecal float, which is uh, where we take a sample of their poo, or in his case, diarrhoea, and have a look for parasites and things like that. Have they done that sort of test? That's correct.
3: That was done on the first um, visit to my vet. They uh, took a little sample, hence the uh, medication in the liquid form and that which was given to him through a syringe through the mouth. And he did come good for a couple of weeks
1: yeah okay um if there's an infectious cause and included in that is parasites um sometimes we will find they've actually got multiple infections so you can get multiple parasitic um burdens in in them and uh you know you do a test like that it may only show up one um parasite at a time and there are some that we do know a bit notorious at hiding from us So there's some new tests available. First of all, I'd say get that test repeated. It's fairly simple, but it's essentially what we call a low-yield test, which means if they find something great, then you know that's there. But if they don't find something, it kind of doesn't rule out anything. So um, I think you have to get that test repeated and repeated and repeated until we're certain. But there is another test they can do called a fecal pcr test now we're all a bit familiar with viral testing and things like that and pcrs and it's it's the same technology that we've um you know seen deployed for uh uh, covid testing pcr stands for polymerase chain reaction i hope i got that right um and basically what it is it's a it's a high-tech test that detects very very small fragments of um, viruses or other diseases, and fecal PCRs can actually find some of those things that normally we wouldn't be able to see. For instance, on a um, uh, on the fec on the fecal float test that I was talking about earlier. So I would say ne- you need to get a fecal PCR test, and then depending after that, there may well be the need for a biopsy of the bowel um, because we do see although I'm I'm hedging towards a parasitic or an infectious cause, but we do see uh, some things called malabsorptive disease where the gut just doesn't work properly. And yep. the only way you're going to diagnose that is with a biopsy, and that's usually done with an endoscope, so an anaesthetic and then a camera down into the gut, um, or sometimes it requires a full biopsy done with uh, surgery. So... Um, I'd start off with a repeat fecal test, and then a fecal PCR, and then see what results you get from that. Because otherwise, you know, this could go on, and I have seen this happen where it just goes on for literally years and years. And um, no, yeah,
3: mate, I need it to stop. I don't like seeing him unwell. Yes, so. yes, yeah. No, and and my vet could uh, perform that,
1: put,
3: yeah. that that PCR test without any trouble I'd imagine.
1: No, no dramas whatsoever because what we, we do them all the time and what we do is we take a sample and we just send it off to the pathology lab and they run the test for us.
3: Yeah, lovely. So, lovely. Mate, I appreciate all your your input and your assistance mate, that has given me some avenue to look at, you
1: know. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much Simon. No,
0: thank
3: you. Thank you
1: kindly.
0: Alright, see ya. So we've got Cole from Hamilton North And he's got an 11-year-old bull terrier whose nails grow very fast and he just can't seem to keep up with them.
2: Cheryl,
0: I reckon this is up your alley.
2: Uh, Yes, definitely. Now, Cole, um, your dog's nails probably need to be cut about every month. So that would be the normal amount of time um, because their nails do grow really quickly. Now, with your breed, the Bull Terrier, the nails actually are really close to the pad. So it's so important to keep Mm. them cut so that they don't actually curl over and cut into the pad because that is obviously very painful, but also it can cause infection. So how often do you think you're doing the nails?
4: Well, um, he he has to go to the vet to get his nails done because she won't let you do them. Mm. And um, he's there probably four to five months ago and... uh, They're nearly back to where they were, although probably even worse than what they were before. Um... And they're starting to curl around pretty badly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so
2: it really is important with that to, to keep on top of them a bit more regularly, I would suggest, Cole, because as they curl around, it, it, it does a couple of things. Obviously, once it curls into the pad, it, it's very, very painful. But yes. the other thing is it can change the way they move because the um, the nail is actually interfering with their, their pad onto the yes. ground. So then yes. that starts to cause a few other problems as well. They'll end up with, like, arthritic conditions, yes. yeah, and problems right throughout their whole skeletal body because um, what's actually happening, they're changing their gait because of the way they're walking with their nails. Yeah, yeah I
4: can understand that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so
2: so it is important. Um, does he have to get sedated to have his nails yes, done? he
4: does. He has to. It's happened twice, and he has to get uh, uh, um, yeah, get knocked out, um, uh, you know, uh, to, to get them done. And uh, he comes home, he's pretty good, but I, can, I walk him and walk him and... Um, Um, but trying to cut his nails, he's not Mm. really good at that. So it's either that or take him to the vet every um, couple of months and get them done. It costs a fair bit of money to uh, get him sedated. Yeah, have you tried having him... Any any other option? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cole, have you tried having him um, have a groomer do his nails for him instead of having... No, they won't do
4: them. They won't do them? Why is that? They they just thought they were were too long for him to do and they um, they yeah, they weren't real sure. Do you, um, I only I've only tried one groomer so do you reckon it would be um, worth a try to Ring around and find out. I certainly
2: would. I mean, uh, you know, if you get a good groomer, a good groomer should be able to cut the nails. He may require a muzzle and a second handler just to help, but most of the times, um, a a groomer who's you know professional should be able to cut his nails. And you know, it's it's not sort of you know got to look at it as a manicure. It's not something that should have to have a sedation if we can do it. Not surgical procedure. No. And the other thing is that you know he's an older dog, eleven years, and you know we certainly want to be looking out for his um, you know. the way he's moving, that yeah. those nails, when they're long, are just going to interfere so much with the way he moves on on any yeah. on anything. And they, unfortunately, with a lot of people, they think that walking on concrete or tar will reduce the length of the nails. It seldom happens because most dogs have quite large um, pads on underneath their feet and those pads yeah. hit the ground before the nails yeah. do. So, before
4: the nails. Yeah, so and it doesn't, doesn't actually wear, wear the them brain. down. Where I am anyway, so... Uh it's not going to help him where he lives because uh, we don't have much cement here anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, I'll, I'll, I will try, uh, ring around and try a groomer and tell them my problem and uh, see if they can help me then. That's uh, quite good. I didn't think – I just thought um, with one um, groomer telling me, I oh, couldn't do it, that uh, my vet was my only option. But you seem um,
1: to think – Otherwise, yeah. it's worth a shot. Absolutely. Yeah, we a we do them. a lot of
2: nails, and I, I don't see why the dog should be sedated. Um, you know, At yes. least just let the groomer know that you know you do have him sedated, but yes. um, anybody who loves bull terriers won't have an issue with doing those. <laughs>
4: very good. <laughs> okay. Okay, then. Thanks, 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 Cole. very much for your help. Thank no worries. You. Thank
0: you. Bye. Bye. We've got Ked now from Raymond Terrace, <laughs> and he's got a four-year-old terrier cross who's had a recent change of behaviour. Apparently he started licking his lips a lot hmm. and snaps when he's petted.
1: G'day Ken. Yeah. How ya? Good, good, good. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on.
5: Um, he's pretty friendly with me anyway. And yes. sometimes he, he gets a bit grumpy with my partner, I don't know why. I don't know the reason why, he just turns against you. but when we go shopping and come back he jumps all over, but other times he just he gets on the floor and he goes, rrr, 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 so and so. Anyway, but when he comes in nighttime he gets on the lounge, put a cover and jumps on the lounge and he starts licking his mouth. He puts his tongue right out and licking his mouth, you know, up and down for for at least 20 minutes or half an hour or something. And you look at him, and and he's got that grumpy look on his face. And when you go to pat him, he gets like that, you know.
1: So when he's snapping, then it's uh, both of you that he's snapping at? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Has he had any recent health problems?
5: No, no, we had him vet check. He's in excellent condition. Yep. We got him from the ASPCA, and they they they've checked him in the else and he's had all his medications and his injections and
1: everything. Okay, uh, he's
5: perfect in that.
1: I'm always, and um, a lot of listeners who who've been with the show for a while or remember, is I, I always think about okay, what are the medical problems first that we need to think about? Um, yeah. So the licking the lips and um, snapping when he's patted, he could be painful. Um, mm. And the other thing I'd be wondering is what his teeth and his dental uh, condition is like. So obviously, if he had some degree of um, pain or inflammation in his mouth, he might be doing that sort of behaviour. Yeah. If he has, um, I've seen a lot of older dogs that have got osteoarthritis that just they'll settle down, and then you go to pat them, and they just don't touch me. They'll snap almost, um, you know, almost without provocation. So that can often be a thing as well. If there's pain anywhere in their body, then this yeah. can show up in the way that you're talking about. Now, having said that, I do think that uh, a lot of the time when we see this sort of behavior, particularly the way that you've described his different behavior when you come home and then yeah. he's on the lounge, licking the lips is often uh, seen as a sign of anxiety. Oh, okay. um, so when he he. You know, if we rule out the the medical problems and we think, what are the behavioral things? It could be a degree of anxiety, a little bit difficult to say what the triggers are for that at this stage. And then his behavior in snapping at people is a response to perhaps he's fearful of something. So, you know, that could be noise, light, um, any any kind of issue. Could be um, how he feels about the... Um, family environment, anything like that. So, he's, yeah, he's f- happy. He runs around
5: the yard. and He goes a lot. To, he goes walk every morning, three, or four kilometres walk every morning. He's very happy and he jumps all over I and mean, everything else. He just does those things when he gets up there.
1: Yes, yes.
5: Or when he's on, sometimes he gets on the floor and does roly polies. My partner goes to pat him and he goes, Whoa, you know, it's out to you. So but his teeth are excellent. Sorry, Yeah teeth are excellent because his teeth are snow white and they also checked his teeth and everything. They gave us a full medical report and.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's no good. That. Yeah, because that's the first thing we want to make sure. I would mm. suggest first of all is that we want to do some basic training with him, getting him mm. to sit and stay. We're using yeah. food treats. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. both of you being able to do this. And if mm-hmm. he's if he gets on the lounge, and mm. you know, I'm kind of realise that you can't change everything in his life all at once. No. no. But if that's where the problem happens, then what I would suggest we do is we get him off the lounge with a food treat and get him to sit at your oh, okay. feet, and then mm. that way, um, you know, he's starting to. Re- you're changing the actual situation. Mm. You're changing it from a situation where he might be feeling anxious about something, and he's reacting mm. to one where he's getting rewarded for good behaviour. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. but don't yeah. don't get him. Don't just give him food treats on the lounge he has to get oh, down and because yeah. otherwise he's going to think oh if i lie here and snap at you you're going to give <laughs> yeah. me a food treat That's okay right. yeah. so just yeah. a, it's a really basic thing you know if he starts behaving like this change it all up by getting him down on the ground and then get him to sit and we'll give him a food treat if he can sit for you have have you been yeah. able to get him to do that
5: yeah, yeah yeah i get him to sit anywhere like outside yes. you know, just kind to sit and he sits Yes, and when I put his dinner in his dish for night, I take it outside under the carport. I tell him to sit and wait, and he sits and waits. Excellent. And then I tell him, okay, you can have okay. your dinner, and he, he starts to eat it.
1: So he does pay attention, and he obviously mm. he's able to learn. And yeah. so it's um, just a case of changing the environment and changing his mm. behaviour by changing that environment by getting him down off the lounge, and uh-huh. then get him to do that uh, sitting for you as a food treat. And okay, v- I mean it's a very simple reset for him. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I suspect after we do that, you're going to have to then go on and do some other work, uh, working yeah. with uh, your vet and a veterinary behaviorist to improve yeah. his behavior. Because otherwise, this could escalate over the next couple of years. Oh, okay. Um, where yeah. you're not allowed to sit on the lounge anymore. Okay. Oh, so okay. Well, yeah. You need yeah. to. You need to get this yeah. started happening right now, just with that very simple change.
5: Okay. All right. All right. Thanks so much for your help.
1: No worries. Thanks, Ken. Thank you,
0: thank you. See ya. Bye. So we've got Abby from Cardiff, and she's got a five-month-old puppy who chews cords, carpets, and she's trying to work out how she can change its behaviour. Oh, no. Oh, Abby. (laughs) (laughs)
4: She's a a very good boy, but when we're not home, he gets a little bit destructive.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is what they do, isn't it? I mean, I'm just about to get a pup myself, and I'm just stealing ourselves for the house to be destroyed. Is that... I thought that's yeah. what we had to expect.
3: Well, we're in the middle of. We've just done a lot of big renovations on this house, so it's
1: uh, it's all <laughs> new stuff. It really
3: hard. We keep having to replace things i have already done. So yeah. we didn't know if there was something we could do to distract him a little bit or keep him occupied when we're not there.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm. I'm just playing a little bit with the with the situation for you, and I feel for you um, going through that process myself. So. Um, Look, with five-month-old puppy, this is like a, a rambunctious teenager. They have so yeah. so much energy. Now, what sort of dog are we, what breed are we talking?
3: He's a Spoodle named Alfie.
1: <laughs> Alfie the Spoodle? Okay. <laughs> and do you have any other animals? No,
3: he's the only
1: one. Which is why he wants to chew on things because he's got nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to give him things to do. How, how long will he be on his own during the day?
3: we usually pop home at
1: lunch and things like that so maybe 3 or 4 hours at a time right okay well i mean that that ultimately is going to be one of the issues is the time that he's on his own is um he's just going to be sitting there thinking what am i doing what am i doing and i've got too much energy uh these type of dogs particularly at this age you need to be burning up a lot of that energy we need you know, a couple of walks a day. Yeah. So certainly morning and night um, so that you can at least get some energy out of them during that period of time. But then we need to set them up for that period when you're not there. And look, there's a couple of things that people, that you can go down to the dog shop or whatever and um, the pet store and you'll find all sorts of toys and behavioural, assistance uh, toys that you can give them during the day. Um, okay. My, my favourite is um, utilising the Kongs, and you go, you're going to uh, yes. need a couple of those. Have you got any of those yet?
3: We do have one Kong at home. We've, uh, we haven't been using it recently, but we used to put peanut butter in it, so maybe we should do that again.
1: Um, well, just a word of warning on peanut butter. You need to make sure that it uh, doesn't contain a product called xylitol, because some, okay. some peanut butters, particularly manufactured overseas, contain xylitol. It's a sugar substitute, um, but it's very toxic to dogs. Um, so just make sure if you do use peanut butter, and I'm not averse to that overall. It's just make sure it's a safe one. Um, okay. Well, What you can do, the reason I said get a couple is that um, you fill up the Kong with some food, dry food, etc., put a bit of peanut butter on one end, bit of Vegemite on the other um, so it's kind of sealed and then wrap it in cling wrap or Glad wrap, put it in the freezer overnight, get it out in the morning and now it's ready to go. And so uh-huh. you might need one for the morning and one for the afternoon, just depends how far yeah. he gets through it. The other thing is I've seen now um, uh, these, you know, face, um, you can have water bowls that have got cameras for your dog and they can actually speak to you during the day.
3: I have
1: seen those. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but you know we're seeing a lot of these problems, and I think it's a really, really helpful idea for this sort of scenario. Um, The problem is he might want to eat the camera, so I think we need to be
2: up higher. Yeah, I think we
1: need to be getting as many proactive um, toys for him. A lot of the toys that we give our dogs and go, oh, he's got that for the day there's no reward in it, you know, unless it's like yeah. a Kong that's got food, for instance, then there's no reward. They're just very passive. So you've got to find things that are a bit more active and, as I said, really need to get onto um, making sure he gets a, a really good walk morning and night to get yep. some of that energy out.
3: All right,
4: perfect. We'll so, give that a go.
1: All right, good luck.
4: Awesome, thank you for your help. <laughs> See
0: ya. <laughs> okay, bye. No Thanks, Savvy. Guys, we've run out of time for another week. Oh, oh well, there Absolutely you go. That, that hour's to... gone very quickly. We didn't even get to puffer, fi- puffer fish.
1: Oh, uh, no, no, no.
0: I'll hold that over. We can keep that for another time. Yep. <laughs> Pat chat again back next Wednesday on 2NURFM.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at
2: 2NURFM.com.